Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by Yellow Box teaching pastor, Ian Simpkins, as we start a brand new series called Advent Conspiracy. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. Well, good morning, everyone. How are you feeling? Good to see you. My name is Ian, and no, I don't want to talk about the Michigan game. Thank you for asking. I have the privilege of being the teaching pastor here at Yellow Box, and you are in for a treat this morning. But before we dive into that, uh, a couple of quick announcements. One, if you are new here or you'd like to know more information about who we are and what we do, we have for you what's called an after party. That'll be directly after this service on the second level. In the section called the Skybox, you can climb up these stairs right there. It'll be about 10 minutes, and if you have kids in Kid City, uh, you can leave them there. We'll take care of them for an extra 10 minutes as an early Christmas present. You're welcome. Uh, Also, if you want to pull out your phone real briefly, you can go ahead and do that. We're encouraging phone usage in church. I know. It's wild. And you may have noticed there's a lot going on around here. Well, the best way to stay on top of all that's happening here is the community app. Uh, That app, you'll get uh, all the updates about events. You can listen and watch sermons online. You can even give online. And while you have your phone out, I want to encourage you to do something. And it may seem like a small thing, but it's actually really helpful. If you would go uh, on Facebook and just check in here. You don't have to think of anything clever or witty to say. Just check in. I'm amazed week after week after week how many people I meet who say that they came to community because they saw someone else checked in. And you may not know this, but we're one of 11 locations across Chicagoland. So you checking in may actually really be helpful for someone who is looking for a church, particularly during this Christmas season. Speaking of Christmas, who would like to guess how many Christmas Eve services that we have this year? Anyone want to guess? Five. (laughs) Child's play. Nine. Nine services from December 23rd to the 25th, and uh, they're going to be family-friendly. Families are going to be worshiping together. They're going to be the same service, so why not come to one or six? Invite a friend, a relative, or a neighbor. It's going to be a lot of fun. Now, how many of you noticed the uh, the big, massive Christmas-colored trailers out front? Anyone? If you didn't notice, you should be concerned. They're huge. And they're right there. Uh, What that's for is what we call our Holiday Gift Mart. And our incredible Holiday Gift Mart team is planning to to distribute 12,000 toys to 1,800 low-income families this year. And the way they do it is brilliant. They partner with different local churches and schools. And what we do is we take these donated gifts... And then we sell them to low-income families at a reduced price of $2 a gift. And then all the proceeds go into these local schools. So starting next week, you can start bringing new unwrapped gifts between the prices of $10 and $12. And we're going to fill all five of those trailers. And it's going to be wonderful. Speaking of Christmas, guess what, everybody? We are four weeks away from Christmas. Can I get a what, what? (laughs) How exciting is that? So if we're four weeks away from Christmas, you know what that means, right? 
Bring on the Christmas music. Come on. In fact, why don't we sing a little right now? Come on, it'll be fun. Let's sing some Christmas music together. Uh, we'll sing in B flat. So, uh, hmm. okay, here we go. The holly, section, come on now. up the tree before my spirit falls again. Fill up the stocking. I may be rushing things, you. but deck the halls again now. For we need a Christmas right this very minute. Candles in the window. What was that? Did you read the lyrics that we were just singing together joyfully? I mean, take away the festive music and the upbeat tempo. That kind of reads more like a panicked Christmas to-do list, doesn't it? Think about it. Haul out the holly. Put up the tree before my spirit falls again. Fill up a stocking. I may be rushing things, but deck the halls again now, for we need a little Christmas right this very minute. I actually think that this song is quite insightful. For a lot of us, it sort of captures the stress and strain of the season. In fact, just a couple lines later, the song goes like this. I've grown a little colder, grown a little sadder, grown a little older. Wow. That just overflows with Christmas cheer, doesn't it? If we're honest, though, I think a lot of us have probably felt this way this time of year, right? All of the tasks, all of the responsibilities, all of the in-laws, right? <laughs> right? We're often caught up hauling out the holly and filling up the stockings that we actually miss the essence of Christmas. But here's what I want to ask you this morning. Is that what God intended for us? Is that what God intended for us? Because here's the reality. We don't need a little Christmas. We need Christ. So this year, we want to do everything that we can to not miss Christ this Christmas. And here's the sobering reality. On that first Christmas 2,000 years ago, almost everyone did miss it. Think about that. God, the creator of the universe, stepped from infinity into humanity, and almost everyone missed it. They missed God with us, God beside us, God as one of us, and most everyone missed it. So this year, we're going to do things a little differently, as perhaps you've already noticed. We want to slow down to breathe deeply and to not rush by Christmas this year? What, what, if, what if rather than being bystanders, mere spectators of the Christmas story, we actually entered into it and did that together? Can you imagine how powerful that would be? Well, you're in luck because today we're starting a four-week series called Advent Conspiracy to do just that. Now, if you're sitting there Hearing that title, you may be thinking, what the heck kind of title is that? Advent conspiracy, what does that even 
mean? Well, let me explain by briefly unpacking these two words. The first word is the word Advent. And Advent is a form of the Latin word that simply means coming. Many of you, if you grew up in a Christian tradition, this is a word that perhaps you're familiar with. Historically, Advent refers to the four-week period before Christmas intended for us to slow down, to pray and pause. You'll note that we don't begin with December 25th, but we begin with anticipation. So think of these next four weeks, not just as a series, but as a sort of spiritual journey. But why the word conspiracy? Like, that's, that's a strange Christmas word, isn't it? Like typically, when we think of conspiracy, we think of, like, the moon landing, or Elvis dying, or veggie burgers, things like that. <laughs> but the word conspiracy is actually a whole lot more nuanced than that. Here's what it means. It means to subvert an established system, to act in harmony toward a common end. I think that's a really fitting definition for this series. The Christmas story is actually itself a subversion that beautifully opposed to the empires and systems of the day. In fact, Christ followers come from a long line of conspirators. Jesus came not just to die, but to turn the world upside down with a revolution of grace and love. And that's what we want to do today. So this year, and for these four weeks in particular, we want to conspire together to approach Christmas a little differently. We want to act together toward a common end. And what is that end, you may ask? To not miss Christmas amidst all the stress and strain and responsibilities and calendars. We want to actually experience the wonder of God with us, God beside us, God who became one of us. So, so let's make a deal together, okay? And this one's tough for me, I'll admit. Let's not let busyness call the shots this season. Let's pause and slow down and not rush by the nativity. Let's worship fully this Savior that was born. This morning, we're gonna worship fully by doing things a bit differently, instead of me kind of talking for 25 minutes straight, I want to invite you into the Christmas story. Let's see and experience that first Christmas story through the eyes of the people who didn't miss it so that you and I don't miss it either. So I actually begin with a word of prayer. I want to invite you to an ancient posture of prayer, and that is hands open, palms up on your lap facing the sky. So why don't you go ahead and do that right now. This posture, in essence, communicates two really important things. One, it's a posture of release. It's letting go of whatever anxiety, stress, apathy, anger, complacency you brought in here this morning, but it's also a posture of receiving. Whether you came in here with high expectations or no expectations at all, it's a posture that says, okay, God, whatever you have for me today, I receive it. Let's pray. Creator of all, as we begin this holy Christmas season filled with the hope of the coming Messiah, quiet our hearts and minds that we may worship you fully. 
love you more dearly and see you more clearly. Amen. So as we slow down this Advent season, let's see the story through the eyes of Mary, Jesus' mother. Now Mary was only 13 or 14 years old and she's engaged to a man named Joseph. And at this age, she's visited by an angel, no big deal, who tells her some pretty startling news that she's to give birth to a son, she's to name him Jesus, and he will be king over every nation, and his kingdom will never end. Can you imagine getting a memo like that? Now, you have to understand, Mary's not only young, she's poor, like really poor. She has next to no social status. She's from a city no one cares about. And when she asks this angel how all of this is going to happen, the angel tells her that the child will be conceived through the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Okay, time out. For those of us who know the story, this piece is easy to miss, but imagine you're in your home, minding your own business, playing a little Pokemon Go before dinner, and all of a sudden, a massive angel appears, and the first words out of his mouth are, don't be afraid. (laughs) Okay, glowing figure in my house. Mary knows that to be pregnant out of wedlock would not only be shameful to her family and to her future husband, it could be a death sentence. Can you imagine the worry and anxiety she must have felt in that moment? But her response to this is so breathtaking. She responds with this song of praise called the Magnificat. And it reads, Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. So in the midst of all this stress and anxiety and worry, Mary chooses worship which I think communicates something really profound to us today, that even in the midst of uncertainty, we can choose worship. Whatever worry, stress, or anxiety you brought in here this morning, we can still choose worship. Now, don't don't miss this, because worship isn't simply a part of a Sunday gathering or even exclusively the singing of songs. Worship, at its core, is choice. And make no mistake, we are all choosing something. The question isn't if we will worship, but what. Whatever we ascribe ultimate worth and value to, that is our God. And one of the things that I love about the Bible and the Psalms in particular is that they're filled with these stories and accounts and songs of people choosing worship amidst worry, pain, and uncertainty. In fact, the Bible shows us 
over and over and over again from Genesis to Revelation that worry in no way disqualifies us from worship. I would guess that many of us have probably showed up somewhere on a Sunday morning thinking, I don't, I don't know that I'm worthy of worship. I don't know that I have my affairs in order enough. Did Mary? Absolutely not. Now, I'm not naive. I know that a lot of us, our lives may not have gone the way that we had hoped or turned out the way that we expected, but we can choose worship in the midst of uncertainty. Can, can that be our story today? Can we find ways to worship the God who loved us enough to send his son for us? Will we conspire together to not allow our circumstances to rule us, but instead to respond to God with worship in every circumstance? My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So as we pause to enter into the Christmas story, we also find shepherds. Now, it's actually kind of incredible that we find shepherds here because they were in no, in no way a glorified profession. They were kind of like the original dirty job. They moved from place to place. They never really had a proper home. They always kind of lived apart from society. They were always on duty protecting their sheep. I mean, their jobs were crazy dangerous and they weren't well compensated for it. And it wasn't like there were like Facebook groups where they could swap best practices and encourage one another out in the field. Being a shepherd was not only difficult, it, it wasn't really all that desired. So I want you to imagine for a moment that Jesus was born today. Imagine the people with the dirtiest, least glamorous jobs in our culture. Imagine the people who lived on the fringes, disconnected, and most often alone. No one would expect them to play a prominent role in this story. But here are these shepherds with all these, bu- these brutal tasks and responsibilities. And watch what happens here in Luke 2. It says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said, as he often does, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, the one that you've been waiting for. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to to those on whom his favor rests. Can you, can you imagine that? 
You're out shepherding, whatever that looks like. And again, all of a sudden, an angel appears. His first words are like, you look terrified. Don't be. I bring you good news, great news, the best possible news. After he delivers this news, an entire heavenly chorus joins him and sings. But I don't want you to miss their response here. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, what the heck was that? No. Some of you are like, what translation is he reading? They said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So what did they do? They hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And they'd seen him. They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Did you catch that? The shepherds weren't even necessarily told to leave. And yet they did. They, they left everything. They left their tasks, their responsibilities. Their sheep were probably very confused, right? They left because they chose to come and worship the Savior who was born by joining the community of those already huddled around this baby in a manger. Now, I know, whether I've met you or not, that many of us feel the weight of tasks and responsibilities. In fact, it can often feel downright wrong to step away from them, doesn't it? I have one more thing to do. But I think we can learn something really powerful from these shepherds. These shepherds took a step of faith and they experienced something incredible. They stepped away from their isolation. They stepped away from their Busyness to worship in community, and they found a king who offered them a new vision for their lives. Which means for us, in the midst of busyness, we too can choose worship. Every single one of us. We don't have to miss Christ this Christmas. Worship is choice, and the choice is always there in front of us. Will we choose to join? this community, and worship the king. So the story continues. And while it was a little while later, the magi show up. Now these wise men were interesting cats that we don't actually know all that much about. Some say that they were high priests from the east. Others say that they were astrologers. Some called them kings. And some even think they might have been Ferguson's. What we do know is that these guys were high rollers. They dressed like Peter Jennings and they ate like Peter Griffin. They had it going on. We also know that they saw the star in the sky and they went to Jerusalem and searched for this new king. And on their way, they met another king named King Herod. And here is what they asked him. They said, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, when Herod heard this news, he played it cool, uh, but Herod is not a happy camper. So Herod calls the wise men to meet with him. He asks them 
to let him know when they find this king so he too can worship him. But Herod actually has no intentions of worshiping this new king. Jesus' friend Matthew continues the story. It says, after they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped of the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. What a beautiful response that is. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So after finding Jesus, these wise men were left with a choice of two kingdoms, two kings. On one hand, they had the kingdom of Herod, the kingdom of Rome. It was a kingdom of power and riches and also a kingdom that could crush them if they didn't bow to its wishes. But on the other hand, they had this baby in a manger. Thankfully, they chose wisely. They recognized that true eternal greatness was asleep in his mother's arms and they chose to worship Jesus with the very best they had. With their gifts, they honored him and with their gifts, they declared him the one true king. And here's the reality I don't want us to miss. This isn't just some nice story because I think today, every single one of us is caught between two kingdoms as well. Will we bow to the kingdom of consumerism and individuality? A kingdom that I don't probably have to convince you is always fighting for our attention, whispering in our ear, or will we worship the true king? Because even in the midst of two kingdoms, we can choose worship. Jesus would later say, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. As if to say, do you want to know what you really care about? Follow the paper trail. So right now, together as a family, we have the opportunity to honor God with our gifts too. You probably didn't walk in here with frankincense or myrrh. If so, good on you. But by giving to God the very best of what he's given to us We make him number one in our lives. We align ourselves with his kingdom. And we partner with him to further his mission of helping people find their way back to God. In a moment, the ushers are gonna pass out some yellow buckets. I know a lot of you prefer to give at givenow.cc online or with the Push Pay app, and that is great. You can do that during this time as well. But I wanna really invite you to give your best today. Because worship is is not just the singing of songs. It's, It's not just even something we exclusively do here. It's choice. Will we choose to worship God? Let's choose together to worship God with our resources. Ushers, you can come forward. Sisters and brothers, as we enter this Advent season, as we celebrate the greatest story that the world has ever known, 
Let's conspire together to not miss it. To worship not just with song, but with our entire lives. In the midst of anxiety and busyness and two kingdoms, let's choose worship. Let's celebrate. God with us. God beside us. God who became one of us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us with that kind of love that you would step into humanity, that you would join us in our midst. God, that you are not a God that is off or distant, but close and present. I pray that we would not miss you this Christmas. Help us to live and worship and love differently. We thank you and we love you and we pray all these things in the powerful, beautiful name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.